Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. I don't know how many of you have heard the prophetic word I gave in 2014 at a Glory and Grace conference about New Zealand. And uh, I heard it a few days ago. It was advertised on your advertising this conference. And I was so moved. I, I remember saying those words, but I cannot remember how I said them because they were articulated spontaneously. I saw the words coming out. Uh, five sentences ahead. I could see where I was going five sentences ahead. And I really believe that prophetic word separates New Zealand as something special on God's agenda for the nations of the earth. Why don't you just put your hand up for a moment or both hands up and say, Father, I thank you. I live in New Zealand. What an honor to be in this country, being aligned and positioned to bring manifestation of the power of mercy, favor and grace across this nation and across the nations of the earth. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Drench us and saturate us in your manifested presence. Let your glory be revealed in this house. Thank you, Jesus. You said, Father, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one with you, Father, even as I am one with you. We thank you, Father, we one with you, even as Jesus is one with you. Now supply the flow, Father, of the supernatural right now. Let healings, let miracles, breakthroughs take place right now. In the name of Jesus. Wow. Is this glory in the room right now? Spontaneous miracles. They pop like popcorn. It just happens spontaneously. Relational breakthroughs, turnarounds, convergence comes. Everything the enemy meant for evil, all the bad things in the past, whatever's happened, God turns them around for good. And we thank you for doing it, Lord. Amen. I really feel like people are being healed of all kinds of things right now. Sugar diabetes, arthritis, things to do with the eyes and the ears. Things to do with the blood. Why everything to do with? God loves you and God's for you. Anything the devil's done to you, which is sickness, disease, disruption, discordance, distraction, try to diminish you, dilute you and dwarf you and decoy you off your destiny. We declare today the dilations of God. We declare the enlargements of God. And that whatever adversary the devil has done to you, it's illegal, it's illegitimate, and he's a criminal against you. And we call upon the court of heaven to give you justice against your enemy and avenge you and make our enemy, the devil, pay for his crimes. Let your anointing exercise vengeance against the enemies that have tried to attack any any of the brothers and sisters in this house, any person in this house, we ask for justice against our enemy in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, nothing can happen in the earth without the church. That if you study the Bible, even casually, you will see that the church was always God's eternal agenda. He sees us each as individuals 
and we're each special. We have our own voice signature, our, our fingerprints. Everything is so unique about us, and our Father loves us as individuals. Absolutely, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And he chose the exact time and place we'd be born. He foreknew us and he predestinated us and he called us and he justified us, which means he declares us innocent, more than forgiven. We're innocent and righteous constantly in his eyes. And then he glorified us. All of that takes place before we go to heaven. He foreknew us. He predestinated. He had a version of us before time began. Before time began in grace, he wrote scrolls, he wrote books about us. Of within, the, within the Trinity, they conspired together about who you would be and what you would be like. And once they wrote those scrolls about you in foreknowledge, before time, in grace, before creation, then they pre, God predestinated you. And then in the period of time, he called you, he summoned you into his grace. Then he justified you. And then he glorified you. Glorified means he's given you all the potential as an individual to fulfill your destiny and your assignment. Can you say amen? So as individuals, we're incredibly important to the Father. But the church is community. It's a family. It's a multi-membered body. You are a local body. You are the body of Christ. You are a local church. Nothing happens without local churches growing stronger and stronger and stronger and healthier and healthier. And it's the average level of the individual spiritual health of each member that determines how healthy the overall body is. Can you say amen? A victory for one is a victory for all. Paul says, when one is in pain, I'm in pain. When one, he says, I burn for others. We're a body. Every part of your body, if you prick your little toe or knock it on a rock, your whole body suffers. And men are very dramatic when we kick our toe. <laughs> Glenda laughs. Every time I get hurt, she just laughs. She thinks it's so funny. She's not laughing because I'm hurt. She's laughing at the, that I become like a dramatic Even though I was in special forces in the military in South Africa, I'm a drama queen when I... <laughs> so any part of this church, you, you are so interconnected. I've got eyes, ears, they all look variety, diversity, but they all have the same DNA. And they're all interconnected. And I believe more and more this Harmony Church is manifesting who your name is. Because the devil's plan is always division, diversion, distraction, discouragement, negativity to oppress you and to divide you. Jesus always said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So the number one operation of the enemy is to bring friction and conflict. And that's uh, the way we fix up friction and the way we deal with conflict actually it can accelerate our health and can accelerate our growth. Can you say amen? There is, you cannot avoid friction and conflict. We've been married 44 years and we've never had one fight or one argument. You saw the lie quickly, didn't you? So to stay married and in love with romance means how you deal with your conflict. Your capacity to deal with offense will determine how far God can promote you. If we can't deal with offense or conflict or difficulty, then we cannot go far. Because you cannot go far in this world and, uh, without relationships. 
And you constantly have to work on relationships. It's the second law of thermodynamics. Anything will tend towards chaos if you don't keep putting energy and investment into it. Anything you neglect, if you neglect the garden inside your heart, the weeds will grow there. You have to be constantly living intentionally. And you see, the, 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 the all-black rugby team does not, they're not they, they are the champions of the world. And the reason is, is because they all just lie around dreaming and lazy and passive. And they get so negative And they just, no, it's because every one of them are players. And they don't play as individuals. They play as a team. That's why they're so good at it. I wish they'd get lazy and ignore it and stop going to training so the Springboks could win just occasionally. <laughs> so we, we're so grateful for the All Blacks because they just show another level of rugby that's never been seen literally on the planet. But if you ask any one of those players, did this happen by accident? No, they were foreknown. They were predestined. They were called. <laughs> And they, and they took the raw material of what God wired them with and they have nearly killed themselves in special force training to be able to perform like that. And, and, and somehow when it comes to the eternal things, the church thinks, oh no, you don't need special force training for that. You don't need any discipline. You don't need to live intentionally. Church is a little hobby on the sideline. God's just there as semi-senile Santa Claus to fix me up when I have a little problem. Thank you, God. Now you can go away. And that's why people think if a country's rich and it's got great democracy and great medical systems, you don't really need God. Listen, civilizations don't get more sophisticated as they get more civilized and technical in their competency. They actually, if they start moving away from God, it's extremely dangerous because there's a lot of things that science and psychology and medicine cannot access in the human being because God has wired us in mysterious ways that only the invincible, transcendent dynamics of a living God can access and make us whole as human beings and no nation can live without God he is the creator and the designer and we cannot live without him and I'm not talking about a casual religious acquaintance I'm talking as a as as our father as as this intimate daily walk with the living God and the absence of that intimate walk is many scars and many dysfunctions and many disintegrations and fractions. And we're not living as we're meant to be. We're meant to walk as happy people. We're meant to walk with victory and rule and reign in a world full of turbulence and, and all kinds of traumas and all kinds of difficulties. We came just after the first the earthquake eight years ago. We've come just after another tragedy in this city. And I tell you, I'm glad we're part of this journey. So I, I want to talk to you about the, 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 the value and the benefit and the advantage of everyone in this room building the local church harmony well. Can you say amen? Anyone want to say, yeah, Jesus said, I'll build my church. And he's, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus loves, loves the church and gave himself for the church. Anyone feel like you can help in building this local house? I want to say that there were so many volunteers in this conference that uh, uh, Gideon and, and, and Catherine were so amazed. Like, wow, this is so easy. I said, you're living, listen, listen, friends, this house, every single one of us are conscripted by grace, all of us to be volunteers. See, most churches are carried by an exhausted minority while a while an indifferent, passive majority pop in when it's convenient. And I'm so glad Jesus didn't just pop into the earth for a convenient trip. He came to give his entire life 
on the cross. I'm glad for you that the All Blacks don't pop in for training when they feel like it. And honestly, in eternity, there'll never be any videos about the All Blacks. There'll be never, there'll be no more talk about rugby. But what you did for Jesus will be eternally talked about. And the way you invest your life is to invest into the local church so it gets more and more healthy so now you can be salt and light in the marketplace and flavor the marketplace with delicious aromas and smells and fragrances of heaven. Can you say amen? And you are assigned to that. So let me say today, I want to confirm today, you can clap every now and again. You can affirm what I'm saying every now and again and pander to my insecurities, okay? Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. So I want to just quickly, it's not a long message, so just relax, okay. But I want to confirm today and reinforce today what's already happening here. What's happening in this house is phenomenally healthy. It's phenomenally wonderful. Because, you see, a lot of you, most of you, were not here eight years ago. But I was, Glenda was. I saw what they were dealing with, what this couple's dealing with. We saw the issues they were fighting and standing for. They were, they were laying their lives down for today, for what I see in front of me today. It didn't happen by coincidence. Nothing successful happens by coincidence. And so something's happening in this house in a big way that's so big and so healthy. Amen. And so what you're doing, I just want to confirm it and reinforce it. Are you ready for that? Put your hand up and say, yeah, Lord, let confirm us, reinforce us. Don't, don't sit there and say, well, let's see if Rob can persuade me to be a little bit more committed. I'm not here to persuade you to do anything. I'm here to persuade you to see the value of something. If you see the value of something, then we all will just want to be invested into the value of something. Amen. So let me, let me say this, that I believe that you're moving into a period right now where more and more recognizing that the church does not have to be organic or institutional, but Scripture shows us the church is both organic and institutional at the same time. You see, we all allowed our preferences, and there's nothing wrong with having your preferences, as long as our preferences do not bias bias us to the clear context of Scripture. So Scripture does not teach the church as just organic. Neither does the Scripture teach the church as just institutional. The Scripture teaches all the way through the New Testament that the New Testament church is both simultaneously institutional and organic. And I want to appeal to you, please don't get your theology about the church from Facebook. Because there's a lot of disgruntled Christians writing some bad stuff out there. Because they hurt and they, now they hate the church. And so all they want to do is go out there and, and just talk about the abuse of the church. The answer to abuse is not non-use, but proper use. You know, when we react to something bad, our reaction sometimes is worse than the original thing that hurt us. And that's, why do we fall into these ambushes of the demonic that just want to disqualify you and stop you finishing your race? Because the most important thing from the time you were born, eh, 
first cry. The, the most important thing was that whenever you leave this planet, you have finished your race. You look behind you and say, Father, I have done everything you called me to do. I am ready to be poured out as a drink offering to you. You don't want to get to the end of your life as a believer and have not finished your race. Now, if you're in Christ, you're going to spend eternity in heaven. But the scriptures speak about the honor of receiving rewards for being faithful. Faithful in little, and he'll give you faithfulness in much. Amen? So the scriptures speak the church is both organic and the church is both institutional. It says it in the same verse sometimes. I'll give you two examples quickly. Peter the apostle writes, and he says, the church, he says, you are living stones. Living is the transcendent, it's the organic, it's the supernatural. Stones is the static, it's the institutional. Then, then Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, he says to the Corinthian church, he says, you are God's field, in the same verse, he says, you are God's field, you are God's building. Field is mystical, it's organic, it's transcendent, it produces organically. Building is static, it's institutional. And I can tell you, this is what's happening across the earth right now. People are reacting to some of the extremes of institutionalism, so they're running off into the extremes of the organic. And when we do that, we are misrepresenting what Jesus finished on the cross. Because... The institutional extreme that rejects the organic, the institutional extreme is so over-engineering in its organization that it engineers God out of the church. Like, like who would go to Burger King if they didn't have hamburgers? Who would go to church if God's not there? If, if I go to Burger King, they say, no, we, we, we don't allow hamburgers here anymore. You can't go to church and God's not allowed in there because the Holy Spirit will embarrass some people. They so organized everything that the mechanics have over-engineered and there's no more God there and it's sterile and it's predictable and it's just so unholy. And when I say unholy, I mean it's just, it's so worldly and it's just entertaining in the flesh. We don't want that. Jesus didn't die for that. Now, the organic that reacts to that is like, woohoo, we just, yeah, hello, hello, Jesus. Oh, it's so sweet. It's so nice. Hello, Jesus. Oh, I should have got to church this morning. Oh, hallelujah. I just float in the spirit. Hallelujah. I just, if I, if I, if I try to, you know, I try, try that with your boss at work. <laughs> Why aren't you at work today? Oh. I was just praying in the spirit and I got to the door and as I tried to open the door, the lock broke and I knew it was a sign from the Lord that I'm not supposed to come to work. Hallelujah. <laughs> this side is so insane. They need to be in asylum somewhere. They are so loony. They've gone out there so far, they can't even connect with practicalities anymore. They are so weird spirituality that almost every New Zealander thinks that that's Christianity. <laughs> Bunch of loonies. But enough people like that in my family. I don't want any more. <laughs> this group, that I'm talking about the extreme of the institutional. It is so controlling. It's so mean and legalistic and predictable. God says, stop thinking you've got to make a choice. It's both. And if the price to, 
to grow, if the price to see more people saved and more people added is that you've got to be a little bit more organized, that's a small price to have more people going to heaven with you. And you can become a big church with a small church feeling. You can grow to 10,000 here. Come on. You can grow to 10,000 and still have rich relationships. You may not be able to see Gideon and, and Catherine every day. You still, you can't already. You may not be able to see everyone. But friends, is church just about me? Is it this little organic thing? So I've got my little community. Hallelujah. And every day and every week, people lay hands on me until I go bald. And it's just all about me. And it's narcissistic and my feelings. And I'm a victim. And oh, I just go, life isn't fair. And I got I'm so frightened of being abused again. So I'm just going to stick in this little introspective group that wants a little Sunday sedative. And I... How selfish is that? How stupid. Did Jesus die for that? This robust son of God who took a whip and cracked it and said, my father's house is not to be like this. That Jesus is the Jesus I fell in love with. Not some kind of new age fairy Jesus. I fell in love with a robust carpenter, a robust sunburned carpenter who could stand up against the most arrogant religious system and rebuke it and declare, yes, this woman should be healed on the Sabbath day from what Satan has bound her for 18 long years. Yes, you pharisaical, sterile, institutional idiot. I will stand against this control and break it. My father's house is not to be like this. Same thing with this little pathetic thing. It's not meant to be like this. Introspective. The paralysis of analysis. Listen, when a river bank is not strong enough, the river becomes a swamp. If you take the river banks away, a life-giving river becomes a swamp, which is stagnant and sterile and stinky. This thing gets so weird because there's no river banks. There's no divine order. There's no organization. There's no, there's no institution. It's just nonsense. Self-centered people. And they all end up fighting each other after a while because they got no purpose, no river banks. They're a swamp. This group of you are just so highly organized. God's not there. But oh, harmony, you are to be dynamic tension and harmony between organic and institution. And as you bring in that together and realizing there is some prices to pay, but it's for the kingdom, it's for the finished work of the cross, it's for New Zealand, it's for Christchurch. You have the message of grace. You have the message of freedom. You have the message of liberty. You have the message of emancipation. You have the message that carries the anointing, the message of ever-increasing glory. Your, your DNA pattern, your footprint is not to level off at 200 or 300, 400 or 500 or 800 or 1,000 or 2,000. You're, you are to keep moving. It's not about numbers. It's not how many bums are on a seat on Sunday. It's about equipping and empowering people to walk as the people of the kingdom and to bring more of heaven into Christ's church. It's not Sunday morning only. It's not just to come and get someone cheer me up. We can be cheerleaders, but I tell you, every one of us need to be cheerleaders. Are you still with me? So that's, that's the first, that's, that's, that's part finished. Okay, 
Now, I've got to just see if I can do it quickly. Now, I want to talk to you as individuals. I've just talked about the corporate. You're both. Now, let's talk about as individuals. The Bible says encourage one another daily. Okay, so you cannot encourage other people unless you learn how to encourage yourself. Because discourage people, discourage other people. Hurt people, hurt other people. So I am the one that is, and I'm the only gardener of my garden in my heart. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. Didn't say let your wife guard your heart. God did, it says you guard your heart. Now I know that Philippians 4 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God with thanksgiving and praise, and the God of all peace will guard your heart with peace that passes understanding. But it's still me, I need to go and pray. I need to monitor what, I am the monitor and the manager of my moods. See, Western society has gone so far in democracy that we've moved into some strange idea that of almost like Marxist socialism that everyone else is responsible for my condition in life. Now, you are responsible for your own levels of happiness. And you think that's horrible. No, it's not horrible. It's very powerful. I can turn myself on and be happy in the midst of real difficulties and hardships. I'm right, right now in the midst of some real difficulties and hardships, Glenda, going through some extreme pain on, 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 on some issues. But I am refusing to let myself be discouraged because how depressed you would be if I just did not monitor my heart every day. And I've done that for 43 years. I have been happy every day for 43 years. Because I take responsibility to guard my heart. For out of my heart come the issues of life. Out of your heart, Jesus, comes the treasures. So if you've got no treasure in there, what you've got is cursing coming out there, negative words, and your voice is the most supernatural signature to your consciousness. When I preach, you kind of listen to me, but when you preach to yourself, your soul identifies the voice signature of your mouth. And so what, is, what are you preaching over yourself? What are you saying to yourself? I will not go to sleep at night. If my mind is disintegrated, I'm worried or anxious, I will walk the floor praying in tongues, but mostly just declaring, Rob, you can do all things in Christ Jesus. Rob, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. That thing that's trying to threaten you, I decree and declare my God is greater than that. And when, I, when it comes, the peace comes, I'm integrated, I'm aligned, I go to sleep. So that you don't ferment that stuff in your sleep. And I do that every single day. I don't wait for someone to come and do it for me. I don't wait for 33 years lying next to the water for someone to roll you in. So just rolled one millimeter a year, he would have got in. Stop waiting for someone to come and rescue you. Jesus has come and he did redeem you. And he gave you everything he's got. Can you say amen? amen? The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. 
He encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, you know, I know that in the Western world, we think we're going through traumas and there are definitely traumas in here. But I grew up in Africa. I live, I know what's going on in China and in, in some of Central Asia and, and Syria and the Middle East. And I tell you the horror of what's going on. Friends, we do have traumas in New Zealand. But I tell you this, we need to just wake up to the fact that David come, encouraged himself in the Lord because let me tell you the consequences of not encouraging your yourself but waiting for someone else to come and encourage you because when you are encouraged you come to church encouraged the worship team works less hard and maybe for some newcomers who arrive as unbelievers who don't know what we know as believers that they work hard for the newcomers but for believers you should come you're so encouraged that you bless the worship team and they just about get charged over by you because you're more enthusiastic on the floor than they are on the platform. That's normal Christianity because you encourage yourself in the Lord and start thinking about the unbelievers coming in, that we work hard in everything we organize and set up for them as our VIPs. But we know most of the energy often goes just encouraging discouraged Christians because they want to encourage themselves. They want God in their own heart. Proverbs 4.20 says, above all else. That's the highest thing, above all else. God, your own heart, for out of it comes issues of life. Your heart is a compass and it will set the setting of its own setting. You better make it sure it's set it to the finished work of the cross and the victory of God. Otherwise, in the dark hours, you will follow a compass leading you into ambushes. And you spend all your money and all your emotions with all kinds of people to, to get out of being a casualty of another ambush. The less ambushes you go through, the more money you've got, the more time you've got to do positive things. Most Christians are spending so much time in ambushes and in, 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 in trying to get out of the, the effects of the ambush that they don't have energy for the kingdom just stop going into those ambushes by having a heart that can read the situation and it's an listen if your heart's in good condition it's got a good attitude you've got good setting and you can read the ambush amen I was trained in the military what to do if you go in an ambush but mostly important how to avoid going into one because an inferior force can kill you if you go into an ambush because they set the whole thing up come on we don't want say I don't want any more ambushes don't blame God when you walk into one. You walked into it. I've walked into some. What was happening with David? David was in Ziglag. They'd gone off, the men on the horses, da 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 da, and they come back, and all their wives and all their children and all their wealth has been captured by enemies and taken away. And your wife and all your children, never mind your goods. Your wife, your kids. And the men were, they were crying. The men were crying. It says they cried so much that no more tears left. Men, hardened soldiers. And then, because they didn't guard their hearts, now they want to kill David. Now they want to blame, blame the man that has led them into destiny, that brought them out of the caves of Abdullam, brought them out of being dispossessed. And disinvested. He brought them into a destiny with the living God. Now they want to kill the man they owe to. Because they're so upset. Now David's got, David can't even lead now. Because when you're in that kind of distress, it's very difficult to make wise decisions. And so the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. 
So when he got courage back, because discourage means to take courage away, when he got courage back, suddenly you can think properly again. You cannot think properly when you're afraid. You cannot think properly when you're stressed. You make bad decisions. Don't write that email. Don't resign that job. Don't break away from that relationship in a deep state of discouragement. Wait till your heart is edified again and then make those life decisions. Come on, can you say amen? Don't marry someone when you're discouraged. Well, this is all I got. I better just have a go here. Sorry, I'm getting a bit hot, Chuck Linda. Linda's going to run through the crowd and just wave the coat up. <laughs> Benny Hinn. <laughs> just wave it over. Just wave it over your own head, Linda. <laughs> so David encourages himself. I have to encourage myself every day. Every day I have lots of things that can discourage me. Every day. You too. You just, some people got so used to being discouraged, they think it's normal living. No, you can live encouraged all the time. It's up to you, not up to anyone. And when you live encouraged, the people around you are going to get encouraged. And when we're all encouraging ourselves, we'll all be encouraging each other from a real place of encouragement. Not, anyway, sh Rob, shut up now. Just move on to the point. Once he got courage back, once he got courage back, he got instructions from the Lord. And once he started, once you've got leadership, people are going to start following you. And he just said, okay, guys, I hear from God. It's very difficult to hear from God if you're discouraged. It's very easy to hear from the devil when you're discouraged. Never allow yourself to be discouraged. As soon as you smell the slightest feeling of discouragement, fight it. Because you can make some mad decisions in discouragement. You can have funny doctrines. You can, you can fall into this weird thing over here called the organic church when you are discouraged. Or you could stay in this place for the rest of your life if you're discouraged. You just sit there and just be brainwashed. Get out of both. Stay here. Institutional and organic all at once. Come on, amen. So David says, I got the word from God. We're going after them. Let's hunt them down, man. Let's go get them. These are angry men now. They get to a river. Some are tired. David says, it's fine. You can stay back. And they go on. And they capture the enemy. They kill them all. Praise God. Wouldn't you have liked to live under the old covenant? Much better. Just kill your enemies. <laughs> Don't have to take them to court. Just kill them. It's so simple. It's so quick. And David was a white shark. Let me tell you, he was a poet, but he was a warrior. He wouldn't want, to be, wouldn't want to make David angry. He could write beautiful psalms and beautiful poetic words, but do not be deceived. He was a big killer white shark boy. He's like sing song, Yeah, God gives me strength to bend a bronze bow, which can shoot right through a shield and kill the guy behind the shield. Hallelujah, I can cut off heads. Yeah, I'm, I'm God's man. You got men that come to church today. Come on now, man. Come on, you fight for something. You can't kill people, but in the spirit you can kill things. We're warriors, men and women. My wife is a warrior. They killed the enemy. They got their wives back, the children back. They got everything back. They got their own wealth back, and then they got all the wealth of the enemy back. Listen, on that day, David had to encourage himself because he was so distressed. 
on that same day, a few kilometers away, saw the unofficial king. He'd lost the anointing as king of Israel, fell on a sword. From that moment, automatically, David was coronated in heaven as the king. He'd been waiting many years, but God had told him he's the next king. If he hadn't encouraged himself in the Lord, his brothers would have killed him. They would have not got their children back. They would not got their wives back. And David would never become king of Israel. You think, oh no, God sovereignly made it to happen. No, he didn't. You've got choices. If you don't encourage yourself in the Lord, it's bigger than what you think. It's more dangerous than what you realize to live with a discouraged attitude. It's dangerous. Make terrible decisions. David became the greatest king Israel's ever had. No one got Israel to the borders that God prophesied to Abraham. Not even Joshua didn't get near there. David fought 66 battles as king, and he won all 66 and extended the borders of Israel to the full extent of the promises of God to Abraham, and they became the superpower of the world. And Jesus in heaven sits upon the throne of David. Now, if David hadn't encouraged himself in the Lord, there would have been no throne. Of, do you think you should maybe encourage yourself in the Lord? So let me give you three attitudes to close with. Can be quick. Three attitudes to close with. Three, three dispositions, three demeanors, three spiritual postures. That by and large, Glenn and I've lived with for 43 years. 42. We got saved two years before, two years after we got married. I don't know, something like that. I know this sounds arrogant, but it's not arrogant. I've never been backslidden. I've never been lukewarm. I've never been what people call dry places because I live in the new covenant. There's open access to his realms. But people were here yesterday, they got impartation. A whole bunch of people, a lot of people. The realm of glory was so strong in this place. People were just weeping. But we were, all, we were in awe of the, when the glory comes, you step into the eternal realm and you become so conscious of the majesty of this awesome God. There was such reverential awe in this place. Well, if you, if you encourage yourself and you stay in that attitude and you don't go just institutional or go organic, but you keep harmony, institutional and organic simultaneously. There's no limitation. If each of you take the time and the responsibility to govern your own heart, to guard your own heart, not wait for your wife. Listen, your wife can hurt you sometimes. Husbands can hurt their wives sometimes. If I walk around like a brat waiting for her to come and say sorry, we've got to put off childish thinking and put on adult thinking. Amen. If you never have arguments in your marriage, it doesn't mean you've got a good marriage. You've probably got a bad one. You're just not being real with each other. We've got a good marriage. We have lots of arguments. <laughs> Linda knows I'm always right and she's always wrong, but otherwise... It's... <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a brave man because I've got people to protect me. <laughs> I'd never say those things about myself. But anyway... Stop distracting me. I want to finish now on time. <laughs> I will be in Hong Kong tomorrow morning. Hallelujah. Just attitude number one is, uh, this is why I believe strongly, is that every human being, every human being was born into this world to fight for something of eternal value. To fight for something of eternal value. Of something that has an infinite reference point that makes meaning to the bizarre finite points. 
I did not say every human being was born to fight. I said every human being was born to fight for something of eternal value. For if we do not fight for something of eternal value, we will always end up fighting for something of no value at all. And you see the board survivors of the kingdom of nothingness all over New Zealand. They've got nothing eternal to fight for. So they fight for temporary things. The eternal things will fix the temporary things that are wrong. For the eternal realm is permanent, but that which you can see is temporary subject to change. Issues of injustice in a nation will be fixed when we fight for the eternal value of the kingdom of heaven and kingdom justice will come into a nation. God will rule from the court of heaven and deal with the issues of injustice. But there are people caught up in just the issues of temporary values. But we are to fight for something that has eternal value. Can you say amen? And I do not believe that any human being was born into this world with courage or any human being is born into this world as a coward. I really believe this, that as we walk through life and the kingdom of heavens truly and properly revealed to us with supernatural substance and we see and perceive the kingdom and we stand up to fight for the truths of the kingdom, courage comes from heaven into a woman's heart, into a man's heart and enables us to do what we thought was impossible. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight to stay in faith. So that's the first thing. You are a fighter. Jesus cracked a whoop kicked over tables, said, my father's house will not be like this. It's not going to be like that. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be like this. Harmony is like this. I confirm it. I reinforce it. Second disposition, and this is so encouraging to me, there are no barriers to your destiny out there. Not, not even one, not even a fraction of one. There is nothing out there that's a barrier to your destiny. No gates of hell, no devil, no demons, no people that oppose you, hate you, reject you, betray you, sneer about you and lie and deceive you. They can't stop you. Apparent lack of money is not a barrier. Apparent lack of opportunity out there is not a barrier. There are no barriers to your destiny out there. The only barrier to your destiny, the only barriers to your destiny are in you. Barrier can be unbelief, can be cynicism. Listen, if you want to change New Zealand, you cannot come under the spirit of New Zealand. If I want to change Hong Kong, I can't come under the spirit of Hong Kong. You have to recognize we have not been given the spirit of the world. We've been given the spirit of God. The spirit of the world is a corrupted system that is propaganda and unbelief in the goodness of God. What's Adam's sin? What did Adam do? Did he, did he commit adultery? There was no options. No other woman there. Didn't commit pornography didn't commit anything his sin was unbelief in the goodness of God the whole human race fell because of that unbelief in the goodness of God the barriers that we can have in here to our destiny is deep discouragement because we haven't encouraged ourselves we've just let discouragement ferment and multiply if you see cockroaches go under your carpet don't just forget about it and say oh that'll be fine they'll multiply underneath there you let discouragement find something in your heart, a seed of, a poisonous seed of, of, I feel abused and therefore I've got a right to be bitter and angry for the rest of my life. That's your barrier right there. And people can pray for you. People can give you every opportunity, give you money, support you. You won't fulfill your destiny because your barriers aren't out there. They're in here. 
It doesn't matter who offended you or who abused you. That's serious and horrible and traumatic. We don't make light of that, but it's up to you to realize that was designed by the devil to put a barrier inside you. And then as you encourage yourself in the Lord, no one can get you to your destiny and you can make every excuse. Well, I, I, I live in this city. I live in that place. And I, you know, I, I live in Hong Kong, can't speak Cantonese. No one knows I'm here. There's no barrier to my destiny. We've proven it now. The only barriers are inside here. An offense, being offended. Inside here. You can pray and fast and get so thin you can jump around the shower and take you an hour to get wet. <laughs> you get so thin you're like a, you're like a zip and with its tongue sticking. No, anyway. You can get as super spiritual as you want in the swamp here. And you're not changing New Zealand. You're not changing your business. You're not changing your education system where you work. You're not changing the environment. You're not being salt and light. You're just being, you're just being. But when you come to a church that's bold, robust. I love robust churches, passionate churches. You've got a passion here because your pastor and, 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 and you're both, Gideon and Catherine, both of them are pastors but they are like passionate just passionate and if you just let yourself come under the spirit of New Zealand you can't change New Zealand you've got to come under the spirit of God you are the people of the kingdom I am not a citizen of Australia or South Africa or Hong Kong I am a citizen of heaven I'm an ambassador of the highest government in the universe and I'm authorized to call rebel planet earth in, into the repentance of faith and come to Jesus Christ. And I have to be encouraged because there's awesome, horrific attacks coming against every one of us daily. And the more you step up in obedience to God, you will find the escalation of offenses coming to you. Come on, if you can produce an all black team, you should be able to produce churches that are all black teams. It's just that they train and they invest and they fight for something of temporary value. It's okay, it's good for now, but it won't last into eternity. Paul says in the New Testament, there are people going into training. Oh, why, why? To get a little reef on their head. I've run ultra marathons and all that stuff, so I'm not against that. But, but I, I just cut it all back because too much training. I've got the kingdom. You're a pastor of, we're all, we're all royal priests. We will not be talking about rugby in heaven, I promise you. We'll be talking about Jesus all the time. Amen. Amen. The barriers to our destiny inside you. Yeah. I'm talking about individually. And if you've got a church full of people with barriers to destiny on the inside of you, that church will never reach its destiny. Now this church is growing and advancing because there are people who are dealing with this issue in their heart. Can you say Amen. And after today, everyone's going to go, wow, I've got to deal with this in here. Now, let me quickly say this. I'm closing now in one or two minutes. All right? Say amen. I'll put faith out in you, Rob. Not me, in God. Okay. Now, listen quickly. <laughs> listen quickly. It's easy, easy, easy peasy to get rid of barriers to your destiny inside your heart. If people keep telling you it's so hard, they, they've got a money motive. Because they want you to come through their course. The victory of the cross. The wonder that Jesus identified with you at your worst so you can be identified with him at his best. 
There's no height into his favor you cannot ascend to because there's no depth into depravity and darkness that he refused to descend to on your behalf. You are co-crucified with Christ. You are co-buried with him. You're already co-raised with him. You have co-sended with him. You are co-seated with him in the heavenly realms. You are co-equal heir with Christ and you're co-laborer together with Christ. We have no excuse. That grace is so powerful. So let me say this, that poisonous seeds can never grow in a grateful heart. And when you daily lift your hands and say, Lord, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. There's things coming against me. Oh my gosh, pressure coming against me like David had or whatever. But Lord, I thank you. You're good. You're great. You're awesome. When you show a grateful heart, not just Sunday morning, but every day you lift your hands and praise Him. Every poisonous seed dies and every seed of greatness germinates on the inside of you. Come on, can you say amen? It's putting off childish thinking and putting on adult thinking and we say Lord I know that you never brought this sickness on me you never brought this cancer you never brought this divorce you never brought this betrayal you never did bring those things but you knew it was coming and so you helped prepare me so that in those difficult times I could lift my hands and say Father I know you never brought these I don't blame you but Lord I thank you that these difficulties has taught me to rely more on your grace these rejections have taught me to get my identity truly from your favor and from your grace. I give you praise that these, that these difficult times are not barriers to my destiny. They are bridges into my destiny. Come on, can you say amen to that? Everyone who does this every day of your life, you will have no regrets the day you leave this planet. Most people will leave this planet going, oh, I wish I'd have taken more risks. I wish I'd have been more adventurous. I wish I'd had more faith. I wish I'd have dealt with my heart. You got to get to the end and say, I'm spent. I've done everything. I've finished. Because I ran, you just run decade after decade after decade because you look after your heart. Last thing is, you may live in a limiting environment. You may feel like the home you're in or we, the context you're in is a limiting environment. That is not a problem. But never let the limiting environment get inside you. Because you've got the unlimited God inside you and you can dream big.